7.02 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of the program. We have kicked it off. Mike Heike, senior staff writer for the Dallas Stars, is going to join us in just a second here. Preview tonight's Canucks Stars game from Dallas. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Finally, uh, Jason here puts the ortho in orthotics. He's going to tell you more about Kintec. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. It's the Canucks. It's the Stars from Dallas tonight, 5.30. A friendly reminder, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. Joining us now, uh, senior staff writer for DallasStars.com, Mike Heike here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm peachy. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So the no Canucks problem. run into the Dallas Stars, who are the number one team in their division, the number one team. In the West, they made a fairly notable trade over the weekend, picking up Evgeny Dadanoff from Montreal. So I got to say, uh, all things seem to be clicking for the Dallas Stars this year under first-year head coach Peter DeBoer. Uh, yes and no. Uh, they went through a stretch where they, I don't know, it's funny, they had six overtime losses in their past, I think, 13 games, and then a couple of overtime wins. So, uh, their scoring has dried up. Uh, since January 1, they are 28th in the league in scoring at 2.4 goals per game. Before that, they were second in the league in scoring at 3.4 goals per game. So um, as as good as this is, as good as the standings are, they built a big cushion early, and they've lost a, a significant part of that. I think there's 8, 7, and 6 in their past 21 games. Uh, and so then the, the league lead has shrunk quite a bit, uh, but the win in Vegas the other night was uh, huge, and uh, they're hoping to, to roll positive off of that. Is there any talk about some additional deadline moves for the Stars? I don't think they have room. I mean, Jim Nell always plays cat and mouse and says, oh, yeah, we're, we're always looking to make our team better. And technically, any... I mean, they could be in part of any trade as long as they would be willing to give up something on the roster and move salary out. Um, but I think they're at about 400000 in cap space right now. Um, and they, uh, if you watch them on a daily basis, like today, for example, they will send a forward or two down to the minors on the off day and then bring them back on the game day. So that's how much I mean, that'll save them maybe $8,000 in cap space on an $84 million cap. So that's how tight it is for them. So I don't think they have the ability to. Uh, I think they would love to add another defenseman if they could. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see on, on that and off, but uh, they, they also could use any kind of goal-scoring help they can get. Um, but I, I just don't think they have the, the money for it right now. Where do you think they rank in terms of uh, the Western Conference? It's been kind of hard to judge a team like Colorado because – they did lose some key pieces in the offseason like Nazem Kadri, but they've also had a bunch of injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. They don't even know if they're going to get a few of those guys back in time for the playoffs um, because if not for the Avs, you, you could maybe make the argument that they're the best team in the conference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're in the mix. 
the problem is the mix is like eight teams, it seems like. Uh, nobody thought Winnipeg was going to be as good as they are, and, and they've been good until recently. Uh, I think they've lost uh, two or three in a row here. Uh, nobody thought Seattle was going to be that good, then they've been good. Um, I think Minnesota's just kind of in a little bit of a funk, um, but you know that team can beat you. Um, you know what I think it comes down to, and this even includes Colorado. Colorado's, when healthy, is clearly the most superior talented team. Uh, but I think that the Stars and Winnipeg have the best two goalies in the West, and I think that makes a huge difference in the playoffs. I think Jake Ottinger is right up there with with anybody in the West as far as goaltending goes, and, and he's been saving them on a lot of nights. And, you know, during this stretch run when they're scoring two goals a game, they still find a way to go, whatever, eight, seven, and six. Uh, and that's mostly because of the goaltending. We're speaking to Mike Hike, a, a senior staff writer for DallasStars.com here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Stars are, of course, hosting the Canucks tonight. 5.30, you can hear the call right here on Sportsnet 650. It's an interesting team, Mike, the Dallas Stars, because, as I mentioned, they're the top team in the Central. They're the top team in the West. Now, it, was a, it was a good team last year. They made the playoffs, and they threw a scare into Calgary in the first round. But they've definitely taken a jump this year, and that's coincided, as I mentioned, with the first year under Peter DeBoer. What's been the biggest difference stylistically or just in terms of results from the bonus team last year to the DeBoer team this year? I think they're a lot more aggressive offensively. They want to go north and south. They want to pass the puck quickly. Uh, and that's something Pete has, has really pushed since the first day of training camp. Uh, and, it, and it paid off. Uh, even now, I mean, uh, so in the uh, shootout win, 3-2, so it was 2-2 after regulation, and each team had like 40 shots on goal. Uh, so, so it can be a very aggressive team, and it can create a lot of scoring chances. Uh, we've just seen it in the past uh, with, you know, with Pete or with um, uh, Bones and with, with uh, Monty. Uh, some of these guys just really have a hard time scoring. Uh, Tyler's been better this year, uh, but guys like Radic Fox, Garyanov, who they moved out, uh, you know, these are guys who get golden scoring chances, Mason Marchment right now, and they just can't finish. Um, and so that's been the frustrating part, but stylistically they are creating scoring chances and they're doing a good job offensively. And then the, you know, the other thing is, is they added two new defensemen, two right-handed defensemen. So they lost Klingberg and added uh, Colin Miller, who surprisingly is, playing top minutes with Miro Haskinen after being a scratch in Buffalo last year, and then Nils Lundquist, mm-hmm. who was a uh, uh, first-round draft pick they got from uh, the Rangers. And uh, he's young, but he's also pretty talented, right-handed defenseman. So now you've got uh, uh, three lefties and three righties, and I think that was something Pete very much wanted. And uh, the defense is moving the puck pretty well out of the back end. What do you think of where Klingberg is at in terms of his contract that he doesn't he didn't sign a long-term contract last offseason what do, what do you think happened there did, did did he get some bad advice from his agent yeah you know it's funny I, I I've picked it apart for four or five years now I don't think he should have signed the original big deal uh, now you know granted it was a lot of money and he set for life and he had not really proven himself just yet at the NHL level and that's why he got the whatever it was 4.75 for seven years, I think it was. Um, and so the problem with that deal was it ends at age 30 instead of age 28 or 27. And, you know, had he been able to, you know, hit free agency at 28, uh, then he could have gotten a six or seven year deal that like he wanted. Uh, but it's really hard to give a 30 year old 
uh, you know, a seven-year deal. And so, you know, that was the big problem. And then when he had his opportunity, I think he had a chip on his shoulder because he was probably underpaid for the last three years of that deal. And so I think he thought he needed to make up for those three years. And I'm just putting, you know, words into his mouth, thoughts into his head, but that's just how I read it, uh, that, that that was one of the reasons the current negotiations were so difficult is because I think he was thinking, okay, I'm a 9 or $10 million defenseman now. And, and I don't think he is. Uh, he's a very good defenseman, uh, but, but, you know, he's making seven now. You know, had he signed a long-term deal, you know, between seven and a half and eight, I think that would have been, a, you know, a fair deal. Um, but he, I don't think he thought that way. I think he thought he was like a nine or ten million, and that, you know, you send that message out to the league, and all of a sudden uh, GMs go, eh, well, I'm not so sure we need this guy. And so I think that's what happened. He's got, he's a great guy, incredible cu- community service guy, uh, a very good player. Uh, but you know, if you get that reputation of you're looking for money, um, and, and they all are, but if you're looking for more than you're worth, uh, I think that hurts you in the market. Uh, Mike, I know you do these hits routinely when it's time to preview a game and you go to different markets that haven't talked about the Dallas Stars all that much. Do you ever get tired of the questions like, uh, is Jason Robertson the most uh, <laughs> the most underrated player in hockey? Should we be talking more about Jason Robertson? I feel like we've been doing this song and dance for a while, and you must have to answer this like, I don't know, 40 or 50 times a year. It's hard not to look at the guy and say, hey, wait a minute. He's on pace to score maybe 50 goals and 100 points for the best team in the West, which is why we lead to these questions. But I imagine it must get tiring after a while. Not really. He's such a good guy. And it's so, I had a question the other day we do a podcast. Uh, and I had a question the other day on who's the next captain of the team. And, you know, we toss it around all the time. And, and you know, because how long is Jamie going to be here and all that kind of stuff. And I said after this All-Star uh, game, just because of the questions he was asked and the way he answered them, uh, I think Jason Robertson might be the next captain of the team. And, and again, that's just another layer of what he does on the ice, what he does off the ice. So they were talking about a, a couple of players, uh, you know, on the all-star team, and he knew every single stat. Hmm. He knows all the stats of every player on his team. Uh, they asked him what, you know, you know, his, all the teammates went to Mexico or someplace, you know, to a beach. And, uh, uh, they asked him what he would have done. He goes, oh, I would have gone home to the family. And they're like, what? And, you know, you've got a week off. You can go do anything. And, and he goes, yeah, that's what I would want to do. I like being with my family. And then they said, what about the beach? He goes, I think it's wrong. It feels wrong to be at the beach during hockey season. <laughs> and uh, my friend on the podcast, Daryl Wright, just loved that answer. He goes, yes, that's true. You should be thinking about hockey right now. And and so there are different layers to Jason Robertson. Um, he's he was not a great skater, and so then he had to find other ways to make himself a, a great NHL player. Uh, I think that's you know another tr- uh, tribute to what he does. He's first on the ice, last off the ice. You always hear that about players, but he works on his shot all the time. And then if you watch his shot, you're like, whoa, that shouldn't have gone in. That was not that hard of a shot. Uh, but you talk to Scott Wedgwood, who works with him in the summertime, and he says he's like a, a pitcher locating his pitches. He knows where the weaknesses are in the goalie, and he puts a puck, you know, within an inch or two of that weakness. And that's an amazing skill. Uh, but you also have to work at it very hard. So all of that combines to say, yes, Jason Robertson is worthy of any question or conversation we can have about him. Well, there's one more i got to ask you before we let you go. And, it's, we, you know, Vancouver here, we're in the uh, – let's acquire some draft picks maybe 
again, potentially thing. And I look at it, and everyone points to, well, can a draft really fundamentally alter your franchise moving forward? And you go back in 2017, the Dallas Stars drafted in a row Miro Heiskanen, Jake Ottinger, and Jason Robertson. So in the span of uh, how long does it take to make those picks? Two days? Uh, yeah. They completely transformed the franchise, and every one of those guys hit. And, I mean, you talk about Robertson. What a great find, 39th overall, playing at a Hart Trophy level. But the, the entire franchise almost changed over two days in 2017. Yeah, and, and Jim Nell, uh, if you ever get him you know, in a long conversation, he will lay this out for you. They won the lottery that year. So they moved from eighth to third, right. and that's how they got Miro. But that also means that your subsequent rounds move up five or six picks. So their uh, pick in the second round uh, was fairly high. I guess that would have been uh, 33rd, 34th, something like that. Mm -hmm. So then the trade to get Ottinger, they were in the window where they could give up something else, move up the spots to get Ottinger still in the first round. But had they not had the 32nd pick, I don't think they could have done that. Right. And then, you know, with um, uh, not Robertson, Ottinger, sorry, to get Ottinger. Then in, in the uh, second round with uh, Robertson, uh, Jim thinks he would have been gone if, if they would have waited five picks. Uh, so then the fact that they just took him with the pick they had at that spot, you know, he just gives so much credit to luck that they won that, you know, they won the lottery that year and every pick moved up and that was huge for them. But all that being said, I give a ton of credit to their scouting staff. Because uh, Robertson was a good player, but then the year after they drafted him, he led the OHL in scoring. Uh, Wyatt Johnston didn't play the year before they drafted him. Then the next year, he led the OHL in scoring. Right. And then Logan Stankoven, I think they kind of had an inside with Cam Lutz and Tom Gillardy, but he's leading the league in scoring, in the Western League in scoring. Uh, you know, it's just they, their scouts have done a good job on foci focusing on offensive talent. And this is just one of the – I've been doing this for a little while, and – one of the things that always bothered me with the draft is if they took a, a big hulking defenseman or a defensive-minded center, uh, like, you know, uh, Jamie Alexiak or um, Radic Foxa. And these are good players, and there's no, you know, there's no slam on them being who they are. But you can go find that guy. You can go find, you know, a defensive-minded center. You can go find a defensive defenseman. You can't find a guy who can score 40 or 50 goals. And they may have a couple other ones coming in Johnston and Stankoven, and that's where I think you need to focus the draft, especially early, uh, to get the highest skilled player you can get because they're just so rare. And then, you know, if you want to fill in with your defensive defensemen and, and defensive uh, forwards after that, then, then go ahead. But, but I think in the last four or five years, they've done a really good job on focusing on skill, and, and it has made a difference. Mike, this was terrific. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a fun game. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. That's Mike Heike, uh, senior staff writer for DallasStars.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good insight from Heike there. So I know we spend most of our time looking at the Western Conference because the Vancouver Canucks are in the Western Conference, and we've been uh, talking about uh, the Calgary Flames and whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. And we've talked about the Seattle Kraken and then and, and, and talked about their surprising season. Um, we might later in the show talk about Winnipeg because the Winnipeg Jets all of a sudden are in a bad way. They're in the wild card now. They're in the wild card right now. And frankly, if there's one team that Calgary could catch, it might be Winnipeg at this point, the way they're playing. Um, but I did want to talk about just the Eastern Conference, not – 
simply the playoff race, which is going to be really interesting with the likes of the Islanders, the Penguins, the Sabres, and the Red Wings all in the mix there for those final wildcard spots. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we just talk for a few minutes about how awesome the playoffs are going to be? In the Eastern Conference? Yeah, well, look at everyone's loaded up now at the deadline, practically. L- look at all the teams that are compelling. The Boston Bruins, this is kind of their last dance season, and they're having a spectacular season. They're going to be compelling. Toronto, can they finally win a first-round um, series? Well, they're going to get Tampa Bay, which is, I, I think, I, I, I thought Tampa might might take a step back this year, like a tiny step back and expect them to miss the playoffs or anything. But you, you watch this team as, I mean, year after year after year being competitive, eventually you're kind of like, God, how how much longer can it last? Mm-hmm. Now they're making more trades for the playoffs, getting a, a tough guy like Tanner Janot, who who may not have much of a bottom line this season, but I think that's a pretty good pickup for the playoffs, the way the Lightning have kind of um, evolved from this run-and-gun high-skill team into this grinding veteran team. Like, I think he's going to fit in nicely. So that's probably going to be, almost certainly, actually going to be Toronto's first-round opponent once again is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Metro Division. Carolina has been good all season. Yeah. I hope that that they stay in first and we get Devils-Rangers. Well, Devils-Rangers is going to be incredible. The Devils get Timo Meyer. The Rangers already got Tarasenko, and chances are they're going to get Patrick Kane. We might just have to wait until Friday for that deal to go through for salary cap reasons. But this whole – like every series in the Eastern Conference I think is going to be awesome. Well, if you look at it just in terms of points, you're going to have what? three of the top six or seven teams in the NHL done in the first round. I mean, think about it. Like if, if what, what, when you talk about the two, three matchups in Mm -hmm. each division, those are top 10 teams in the national hockey league. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's why the East has become this huge arms race. Like look, look at the top of the standings right now. Boston's made a big move. Toronto, Tampa Bay, all made big moves. Go to the Metro Carolina. Ah, Carolina has yet to make that big move. Interesting. Are they, the, are they the type of franchise that would make a panic? Not a panic move, but like, oh, everyone else is loading up. We got to load up too. Tom Dundon went on the Frank Saravalli podcast uh, at Daily Faceoff last week. And I, I went back and listened to it after we talked to Frank. And he was very candid about... See, he has a weird approach. Like, he doesn't view it as a window opening or closing. Right. He's like, we just keep ourselves in a position to always be able to go after it if we have a good team. I think the word that he's not is reactionary. Yeah, like, like he, he's not going to be like, "Oh, these guys did something. We got to do something." But he like the, so here's the thing. I it's going to be hard to explain it cuz I know good words, but Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try word good though. The Brent Burns thing was a good example. Mm-hmm. They saw an opportunity. They had the cap space and quite they didn't need to move anything really because the shark just wanted to get off the contract. But they put themselves in an opportunity to make moves whenever they need to. Let's put it that way. Like they're never going to be in a spot like what Heike just said about the Dallas Stars. Like they have to wait. They have to move players to the minors every day to save seventy six dollars so that they can put it on the cap. Right? <laughs> like that's not how Carolina operates. Just don't. They make very outside the box moves. But well, it's I, not like, I mean, Carolina is at the cap. Yeah, but they've got the flexibility to move things in and out as they see fit. Right. 
Maybe not right now. Yeah, but they, they can. All, but you look at future years too. Yeah, like that's kind of. I mean, I'm, we're all talking about JT Miller right now, right? Like, let's be honest, because if you want to start reading the tea leaves, Carolina is the only notable team in the Western Conference that hasn't added yet. Mm-hmm. They're the only other team that seemed like they were really, really deep in the weeds on Timo Meyer and missed. Because he, of course, went to New Jersey. Yeah. And they've got an owner that's already come up publicly and said, we want to be aggressive. I think for the morale of the team, it would be uh, a bit of a blow if they didn't add something when every other team in the East has added of significance, too. Like, Orlov's going to be a top four defense with the Bruins. That, that's huge. I think yeah. we know what O'Reilly is going to be for the Leafs. I don't know what Tanner Janot is going to be for the Lightning. I think he'll be great in the playoffs, but he's a third-line guy there. Yep. So that's a little different. Timo Meyer is going to be a top-line guy in New Jersey. It's scary to think what he could do, especially playing alongside some of the skill forwards they have there. Yeah, there's two things that – that you know, well, there's many things that the Canucks are going to need um, to find if they are indeed at all open to trading JT Miller, if – um, they're going to need a team that has the desire right now, that has the uh, assets to return in the trade, but also the big one is one that can handle the contract extension. Yeah, Making a trade this season isn't all that tough in terms of fitting in JT Miller because don't forget, he's still on his current contract. He's not on the extension right now, so his cap hit is $5.25 million. If the Canucks were to retain on that part, which they can do, uh, they can make that trade happen. They could even use another team to launder it down to, you know, next to nothing. Yeah. On the salary cap, the the question is for a lot of these teams: Do they have space to fit in JT Miller's extension, and do they want that extension? Well, the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Jordan Stahl is a pending unrestricted free agent, and his cap it is six million dollars. Right, so. That's an opportunity right there for Carolina. I sure just like an unspoken thing that Jordan Stahl's retiring at the end of the year, by the way. You think it is? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I think it's one of those like not saying the quiet part out loud, but I just did. I, I just don't know if Carolina seems like the match for being interested in JT Miller. I mean, we've talked to a few people, including their general manager, Don Waddell, on this show, and He's talked a lot about like, yeah, we don't want to get into contract extensions for players that are getting into their 30s, like long-term contract though. extensions. I think things change. How would they change? Just desperation? Panic moves? Not desperation, but keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, but I just kind of so we just talked about how they're not the type of keep they're not a keeping up with the Joneses type of team. But they're also a we want to win the Stanley Cup kind of team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the other one that you got to keep an eye on now is Pittsburgh, right? They didn't give away Kasperi Kapanen for nothing. They did give him away for nothing, but they just wanted to get his contract off the books, and the Blues were like, yeah, sure, we'll give him a, a, a ride here. There's tons of pressure on Ron Hextall to do something. Yeah, They've just responded. with well, They got a three-game win streak, and they just pounded the, the, the lightning. So you know that they're right in that wheelhouse where they're like, we got the band back together for a reason. We yeah. can't really afford to miss. So I long, don't know. long story short, the playoffs are going to be awesome, especially in the East. And yeah. you know, this trade deadline week is is going to be interesting, uh, especially for the teams that really haven't made their move yet. Will they make their move? Uh, Dan Milstein has made a few moves uh, as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks. He is the agent for Vitaly Kravtsov. 
the newest member of the Vancouver Canucks. He's also the agent of a bunch of other Canucks. We'll talk to Dan coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Siegenthaler gave it away. Houghton, nice pass. Score! on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program, which will feature uh, hockey agent extraordinaire Dan Milstein in just a second here. Hour two of the program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, the weekend went by in Vancouver, and another Dan Milstein client became a member of the Vancouver Canucks, this time former New York Ranger Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, let's speak to the agent now. Joining us on the Halford & Bruff Show, it is Dan Milstein here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. So, Saturday... Uh, your client, Vitaly Kravtsov, traded from the Rangers to the Vancouver Canucks. What was Vitaly's response upon hearing that he was joining the Vancouver Canucks? Um, obviously, uh, w- he was very excited uh, to join the team. Uh, about um, about 45 or 60 days ago, uh, we have asked for a trade, and we've been working closely with uh, the New York Rangers to find a new home. Uh, we, uh, Vitaly and I identified some uh, destinations and to be honest, Vancouver was at the top of the list, um, and so it uh, took some time. And uh, credit goes to uh, the Canucks uh, general manager Patrick Alvin and his team. Uh, they were able to drive the price down quite a bit, and um, in the end, it made sense. And Vitaly got uh, traded to a team where he wanted to go, and uh, uh, he'll have a good opportunity to showcase himself. Why was Vancouver at the top of the list for Vitaly? Uh, multiple different things. Um, I mean, we obviously look at uh, uh, at uh, the team, uh, the depth of the team, the coaching, the management. Uh, so many different things go into uh, the factors. Obviously, fresh sushi uh, in Vancouver had to be one of them too. Did your relationship? I was joking about that. I know. I realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Did your relationship with the Canucks? I mean, you 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 you've worked a lot with the Canucks. There's a lot. Of, you you have uh, how many clients are, are are now with the Canucks in in the organization? Is it four? Um. So uh, we have. Uh, I, I believe we have five uh, with uh, uh, with one or two uh, with two more drafted uh, that uh, perhaps uh, at some point in time would also become the members of the um, uh, under contract, but. Uh, uh, I have close to about 60 uh, clients in the National Hockey League, so I have clients virtually on uh, on quite a few teams, and uh, obviously Vancouver is one of those teams as well. Uh, so what happened with the New York Rangers? Why why didn't it work out between the Rangers and Vitaly? You, you know, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't, but in this particular case, uh, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it was best for uh, for Vitaly to move on, he's grateful and thankful for the opportunity. Obviously, from the day that they drafted him um, in the first round back uh, in what 2017, I want to say, and to uh, uh, to this day, uh, they've helped him quite a bit. And obviously, 
they had some um, uh, some some. The, the relationship hasn't been perfect at all times, but uh, uh, he's got nothing bad to say about the organization uh, all the way until the very last moment when uh, um, he was traded. He refused. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. He refused to go to the AHL at one point. What went into that decision? Uh, well, there. You, you know, uh, I'd rather not talk about the past. Let's not beat the dead horse. Uh, um, you know, obviously, what was reported in the media versus the reality are two different things. And uh, you know, sometimes uh, things are best uh, kept uh, uh, private. Uh, and uh, I'd rather not talk negatively. But uh, I can tell you one thing: is that I don't believe that. Uh, uh, Vitaly or myself would ever say anything negative about the New York Rangers and about the management. Chris Drury Chris has been nothing but a pleasure to deal with. And uh, um, and the look of uh, uh, my next free agent, uh, uh, I would definitely be recommending the New York Rangers. Like I said, it's a great organization, uh, but unfortunately, sometimes uh, things uh, don't necessarily work out, and uh, it was best for everybody to just move on. You know, we talked about this earlier in the show, but one of the things about Vitaly is that we just haven't seen him play a lot at the NHL level, and we alluded to some comments that Gerard Gallant made, I think about a week ago, where he said, this is a top-nine player, we just don't have space in our top nine. So for Canucks fans and for listeners right now that want to know what kind of player that's coming to Vancouver, what kind of player is Vitaly Kravtsov? He's a high skill um, he, his uh, hockey sense is off the charts. Um, he, uh, just like the, the head coach of the New York Rangers and many scouts would say that uh, um, he, is a, he is under the right opportunity with the proper and right coaching, he could become a superstar. Now, you mentioned that you've got close to 60 clients in and around the NHL, and one of those is Vladislav Gavrikov. I'm not going to ask for an update on Gavrikov per se, but this new notion of sitting guys out uh, while a trade is either in the works or for trade-related purposes. I'm curious to know what it's like for your clients to sit on the sidelines because they're all wired the same way. They want to play hockey, but they also know it's a business. We see Luke Shen. We were talking about him earlier in the Vancouver, so it's playing out here as well. So as an agent, what are those conversations like with your players when they're being sat out for trade-related purposes? Well, uh, uh, obviously, uh, Vladdy and uh, all other clients that want to play hockey, they're wired the same they want to, they're extremely competitive. They want to play and they want to win. And um, it is very unfortunate that uh, he's been bubble wrapped um, and uh, he hasn't played in two weeks. Uh, obviously, uh, we, this is something that uh, through the NHLPA we would bring up again and uh, discuss this issue with the league. Uh, because, look, in some cases, the guys could sit out for months and uh, this isn't good for, uh, for their uh, progress, for their uh, uh, development and uh, um, it's just, just, I don't believe that this is a right thing to do, uh, but uh, I also see the other side of the, um, uh, of the token. So this is something that uh, behind the closed doors, I'm sure that uh, uh, we with the NHLP and NHL will discuss at some point in time. We're speaking with agent Dan Milstein. Uh, Dan, I want to get back to Vitaly Kravtsov because he, he doesn't have a contract um, beyond this season and his ability to return to the KHL and play there is currently that's that is a possibility right now so what is the plan with the Canucks have you spoken to the Canucks about um you know the the, I think they've got 23 games left is this going to be like on an audition for not only the Canucks with Vitaly but also Vitaly with the Canucks or could you see contract contract extension getting signed in the next little while Look, with, uh, we have, I haven't discussed uh, the extension with the Canucks. There is no reason to discuss the, the extension at this point in time. 
Natalie is going to be a restricted free agent. And if he chooses to uh, resign and if uh, this relationship is, uh, um, uh, is working out for both sides, I mean, look at this. Uh, this isn't just a one-way, right? So the Canucks uh, and Natalie, both sides need to agree and we'll move on. But uh, uh, talking about the KHL, I mean, any player, uh, or I shouldn't say any player, but uh, most players in the National Hockey League could go play in the, uh, in the KHL and vice versa, regardless of their American Russian or whatever. I mean, look, I have Sasha Shemaleski, who is a uh, U.S. kid, uh, played for San Jose Sharks, and instead of taking a qualifying offer from San Jose Sharks, uh, he went to the KHL to uh, continue his development, and uh, he became a, a leader this year. Uh, he's put up uh, close to a point a game, and uh, um, he may return in a year or two and uh, be an impactful player for the San Jose Sharks. And so same thing here. If uh, obviously Vitaly is here on a one-way ticket, he had an opportunity to go back. He obviously did not want to. He wants to play in the National Hockey League, and Vancouver Canucks felt comfortable. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, his future. But uh, at the moment, uh, um, and and uh, uh, into the foreseeable future, he wants to be an NHL player, and he wishes to play for the Vancouver Canucks. Hey Dan, I know you got a number of clients in Vancouver, including Ilya Mikhaev. Uh, how's he doing post surgery? Uh, he's doing great. Uh, he's still in crutches, but uh, great spirit. Uh, uh, he uh, goes through the rehab on a daily basis. You see him at uh, uh, at the rink, and uh, he's upbeat and waiting uh, waiting for uh, for the next season. Dan, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be really busy going into Friday, so good luck with everything. And uh, we'll do this again Thanks, later guys. on in the year. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Dan. Dan Milstein, agent extraordinaire here on the Halford. We are gold star. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> we are gold star. Uh, there's more JT Miller news. Rick Dolly, while reporting JT Miller did not make the trip to Dallas, he has an injury, and early word is he could be out a week. Okay. So so listen, let's all take a moment to laugh at this. Trade okay? First of all, this is kind of funny, right? Uh, he JT Miller may very well have an injury. He's blocked a, some shots in the last little while. You know, NHL players get hurt. But this would be one hell of a coincidence that he, over the weekend, uh, word comes from Shana Goldman of The Athletic that she's hearing JT Miller's name out there. And then she also says, um, you know, will she poses the question, could he become the latest NHL player to sit before the trade deadline? Something that Halford just discussed with Dan Milstein, right? Then uh, it comes out that, oh, wait a minute, he's he's got an injury. And, well, how long could he be out for? Uh, a week. Uh, when is the trade deadline? Uh, it's about a week from now. He's expected. <laughs> like, this is come yeah. on. This is all. This is all very funny with the fact that I don't know what you two are suggesting. It's JT Miller, a guy that we've talked about. He's expected endlessly. to recover at uh, twelve oh one p.m. on Friday. <laughs> is when his recovery is expected. I failed to see As the humor in any. PM on I Friday, failed to see the to humor in any of this. I don't like to laugh at people who are dealing with personal injury. Yes, you guys are jerks. No, I mean this is this is out there, and it's hard to ignore. We have to do our job balancing between yeah. what's being reported. And I'm not, I mean, Rick's Rick. Everyone knows who he is. And if you don't know who he is, uh, he's one of the most dialed in insiders that we've got in Vancouver. So he's getting information and he's putting it out there that counters what's out there. But look, this is crazy season. This is trade season. This is silly season. Every single move that happens right now, you can have a guy like who was the guy that the 
Um, Preds acquired, you, you made fun of it earlier, Isaac McKay's or something? Something like that. Yeah, anyway. I've already forgotten. Everyone's already like, ooh, could this be the precursor to a bigger move? And then a day later, you're like, no, it was just picking up some AHL farmhand for nothing. But that's the season that we're in. Yeah. The Rangers traded Kravtsov and waived Jake LeCision, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Those moves are in advance of making a trade for Patrick Kane. We all know that deal is pretty much done, right? It's done. They just have to wait. They have to, you know, and you know why they have to wait? It's because they can only afford it at a certain day. <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford it on Monday, but on Friday. It's they like can, wimpy with the hamburgers. It's like, it's on funny. Friday, I'll get one. They can afford it as soon as JT Miller becomes healthy. That's the timeline on it. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We just talked to Mike Heike about <laughs> Dallas having to manage its cap by sending a guy down to AHL Texas. Is that where they still are? The Texas Stars? Yeah. Every day. It j- it's just a reality Dr. of the situation. Pepper Arena, I think they play out of. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Anyway, uh, I'm getting distracted now by the doctor, Mr. <laughs> and it's ugly redheaded stepchild, Mr. Skipper Arena. Is that it? Uh, let's that's talk- the ECHLT. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the the interview that we just had with Dan Milstein, uh, sure. unsigned text here. Don't really like how that interview went. He won't discuss the AHL. He thinks this guy is a superstar. Won't talk extension. He's going back to the KHL, folks. It's a lot to the, read out of that, but okay. The, well, this is, I mean, the last conclusion might be, oh, really? That, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't take that as the conclusion i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not surprised he didn't want to talk about the rangers or he didn't want to badmouth the rangers uh first of all dan milstein is an agent with multiple players probably got a, in the nhl got a client there right now yeah he doesn't he doesn't want to he's not going to bad he's not going to badmouth an nhl team but in a lot of if if, the, if he does have complaints it'll be done behind the scenes but Listen, it did not go well between Kravtsov and the Rangers. And in asking around um, a few reporters that cover the Rangers for a living and are pretty dialed in, uh, Kravtsov drove the general manager there nuts, and he drove the head coach nuts. So for people that are like, you guys are so negative, well, no, we're being realistic about the chances of this guy working out for the Canucks. I hope he works out. I hope he finally realizes his potential. I hope he feels more comfortable in Vancouver than he did with the New York Rangers and maybe having some Russian teammates, maybe a, a, a Russian coach and Sergei Gonchar will help. I think it's a good bet by the Canucks. But that's yep. kind of obvious because the bet was pretty much nothing. The bet the bet was a seventh-round draft pick years from now, and, and Will Lockwood, who... God bless his energy and 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 passion. Uh, probably isn't an NHL player and may not have signed resigned with the Canucks anyway. This is the reality of the Canucks situation in that they can take the take on these reclamation projects and give this guy Kravtsov an opportunity over the final twenty or so games of the season and see if he can find something that he likes about the Canucks and more importantly see if they can find something that they like about him. My two biggest takeaways from that interview were one, uh, I think we may try to make the point that the best part of the trade is that they didn't give up Huglander to do it. One hundred percent that was the best part of the trade. And apparently the Canucks held firm on that. Dan Milstein just said on our very own radio station here, Sportsnet six fifty, that uh, he gave Patrick Elving credit for driving the price down to where it was just Will Lockwood and a seventh round pick in twenty twenty six, which is about as far away and as late in the draft as you can give away a pick. So good on them for that. Uh the other takeaway was there seemed to be some fairly significant pushback about resting players for yeah. trade-related purposes. And, I mean, we are seeing this play out in real time with Luke Shen in Vancouver. 
Someone wrote in earlier, as we pivot a little bit here, but staying in the same conversation, someone wrote in earlier asking if we had critiques. God, why would anyone ask us for critiques of the Canucks? That's not our business. Um, if you, critiques of how the Canucks have handled the Shen situation? I really don't. As a matter of fact, I've heard enough anecdotal stuff that they're trying to be as good to the guy as possible given the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation, just it sucks. It's business, but yeah. business can sometimes be crappy. Shen's got an expectant wife. They were on the road. He's Part of that deal that he signed, when you looked at the end of it, was always going to be, there's a chance you're getting moved. You have no trade protection. Mm. You don't make a lot of money. You're the perfect rental for a team. Yeah. So that's the reality of business in the NHL. Talk it came out yesterday, or was I came out yesterday or Saturday, and essentially said, I talk to Schenner every day, all the time. We try and get him out practicing with our skills coach so he can stay fresh. But the reality is, it's not good for Shen to miss a bunch of games. It's not. He He's a hockey player. It's what he does. Yeah. Also, if he's going to go somewhere, sitting, being in bubble wrap, as Milstein put it, for a week, doesn't do you any good. Doesn't you do can't any help favors. his teammates out. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate um, but it's also an unfortunate coincidence that his wife just so happens to be expecting the day of the yeah. trade deadline. Mark- Someone just wrote in, it's been ridiculous resting guys for three straight weeks before the deadline. That should not be allowed. Here's the follow-up question to that texter. What do you do about it? What can you realistically do about it? Because from the Canucks perspective and from all these other teams' perspective, especially the ones at the bottom of the standings, it makes no sense what's whatsoever. There is not a single positive reason for the Arizona Coyotes to play Jacob Chikrin right now, for right. example. Yeah. Chikrin's going to make them better on the ice. He's potentially going to get hurt, and they don't have any skin in the game when it comes to the standings. If he goes out and plays 30 minutes a night and racks up three points... The people at Mullet Arena might be happy, but there's only 5,000 of them. Mm-hmm. Everyone else from that organization stands to lose. So I don't know what you do. Honestly, what's the solution? You can't uh, go to the. It, I think it's just smart asset management by the teams keeping these players out. Is it unfortunate? Kind of. Um, but remember before Horvat got traded to the Islanders, we, we were talking about that. What if he gets hurt? And then Alvin even noted that after Horvat was traded to the Islanders, you know, you guys were saying that, uh, that I should, should, should sit him. Well, now we don't have that worry anymore. Can you imagine if Horvat had gotten hurt and gotten hurt? Yes, I and, could imagine. Like, we, I imagined like, we, yeah, yeah. We were like, Oh my God, like that would just ultimately cap the season and especially for a guy like Luke Shen, who plays a very physical brand of hockey, he's blocking shots. That is an asset that you have to protect because the Canucks need all the assets they can get. Uh, so here we go. Unsigned texter texted in. The best way against resting these players is that if you rest a player for, say, four games before you trade him, the new team can't play him for four games. That would either force you to make the trade earlier than you want or take the risk of playing the player. Problem solved. Next. Friend, you solved no problems. You created new ones. <laughs> I'm not sure you even know what problem solved means. I can't believe that was a... Like, no, no offense. Thank you for the effort, but that makes it way worse. As soon as you scratch the player, a pitch clock should start. <laughs> Hamilton style. <laughs> you have suggest- thirty seconds to make the trade, his or player suge- will explode. His suggestion was: is like you know how long you held out that player, which was bad. Now you have to hold him out just as long. Yeah. 
I think that makes it worse. I look, I I here's the thing. My big takeaway from what Milstein said in the conversation that we had is they've got an actual problem on their hands. Right. Because there's no incentive for the NHL teams to do anything differently, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really to force them to change. That's the that's where I see this on the horizon, unfortunately, because it sucks. So we're gonna talk to IMAC uh coming up next, and he wrote a story about uh the Canucks effort against the Boston Bruins and how everyone will remember that uh, effort for Linus Olmark scoring a goal against the Canucks, but that Rick Tockett was pretty happy with his group of players and the way they played against one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL. Um, for me, that kind of gave me like, oh, we're in moral victory season again, uh, and that brought out some frustration. But we will talk to IMAC about the changes um, that we've seen on the ice under – Rick Tockett. Um, I'll throw it out to A-Dog because I know he's the most feeling person of the group. When Brad Marchand scored against the Vancouver Canucks, how was your feeling? And I'm trying to get to the crux of the question, like, are we over the Bruins thing yet? Are we over the Marchand thing? Did it mean anything that the Bruins came in on Saturday night and beat the Canucks, or is that now – can we just like the Bruins are maybe just another team in the NHL? Yeah, no, I, I say it jokingly. I've I was over that team a while ago. I mean, it's 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 2011. It's a long yeah. time ago now. I, I say it in jest because mm-hmm. it is funny, and obviously there's the, the history and the connection there, and Marshawn being Marshawn. But I mean, yeah, t- to that honest, was a nice goal. It was. It, it, was a it, nice it doesn't goal. really mean much to me anymore, to be honest. They're just there, another team. Can I can I just mention I was at the game and how many Bruins jerseys there were? I noticed it that was, even from TV. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Wild. Did you hear how loud it was when Olmark scored? Yeah. Yeah. That sounded like the Canucks goalie scored. Well, I think some even Canucks fans were probably making some noise. Might have been like, no, but like, it, you know, it might have just. If the Bruins like, were hated still, they wouldn't have gotten yeah. that kind of reaction. Listen, when I, when, I, uh, when I saw it, I was like, cool. I'm glad that happened. I'm I've glad that it. happened right there. Like, I've never been to a game where that's happened. So I'll, you know. Cross that off the list. And it was honestly funny when um, Allmark was going through the um, high five line yeah. at the Bruins bench. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, if you the don't goalie, see that every If the goalie day, right? scores, they should have to do it for the opposing team's bench as well. He should get high fives from all the Canucks. Totally. Yeah. I, wa- I want to go to break with this because it's one of my things as a sports fan. Never leave a game early because you'll never know what you might miss. Well, that's if you, an original take. If you would. All right. Alfred Brock, <laughs> Sports at 650.